So maybe you're wanting to start the keto diet, but you don't really know where to begin. It's not like there's just a handbook that gives you a very simple way to know what to do. So in this video, I'm giving you the complete guide to starting the ketogenic diet. I'm giving you the breakdown of some things that work, and we're gonna go down this entire list and some things that don't work. But I'm also gonna give you the steps that you can take to get started all the way down to what kind of almonds and what kind of cashews and things like that you should or should not be eating. This is also perfect for you to share with your friends and family. So maybe you know someone that's starting the keto diet or wants to start the keto diet, but they're just confused and they don't know where to begin. This is going to be the end all be all resource. It's gonna give you a lot of details because I've done so many videos on the keto diet, but it's nice to be able to put them all into one consolidated form that serves as a complete guide. So let me give you a quick rundown of what we're gonna go through. But first, I wanna make sure you hit that subscribe button here on my channel. We've got new videos every single Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday at 7 a.m. Pacific time in the world of keto, fasting, but not just that, everything in between as well. So just general health and fitness too. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. Now let's talk about what we're gonna cover. All right, so first off, we're gonna talk about what is the keto diet? What are the benefits? What is this thing that everyone's talking about? Okay, then we're gonna talk about what keto is not. Because believe it or not, there's a lot of question out there and a lot of people get confused. So we're gonna talk about how it's not ketoacidosis, it's not paleo, we talk about a lot of different things. And then I've got some science to back up some of these myths that are surrounding keto. So talking about muscle sparing, talking about how it's sustainable, talking about the therapeutic side of it. Now I'm also gonna play devil's advocate, okay? I'm a very honest person with this. I'm not just gonna tout the ketogenic diet. I wanna give you everything you need to learn so you can do it properly. Then we're gonna talk about fat adaptation. Fat adaptation is a really cool thing where you actually get your body used to using fats as fuel even when you're not on the keto diet. All right, then we're gonna talk about preparing for keto. What you can do, how do you get prepared? How do you get started? What kind of environment should you be in? How should your food be available? All this stuff, I'm gonna give you the breakdown there. Then we're gonna talk about caffeine and coffee on keto, how it works, can you have it? What should you do, what shouldn't you do? We're gonna talk about the first steps. What are the first steps in that very first week following a ketogenic diet? Talking about keeping your fats higher, talking about modulating inflammation, how you can do this so you have the most effective first week or two so you get the most out of your keto diet. Okay, then we're gonna talk about the keto flu. We're gonna talk about what causes that. We're gonna talk about ways that you can overcome it so you don't get run down that first week or two on the keto diet. Then we're gonna talk about working out your general fitness, your exercise. This is super important, whether you are at it for body composition reasons or to just feel better, knowing how to work out and knowing what happens in your body when you work out on the keto diet that's different from an ordinary diet is very important. So we're gonna talk about that in the first phase and the first early part of keto and beyond. Also gonna reference some studies there. We're gonna talk about your cholesterol levels. This is a viable concern. What happens to your cholesterol when you're eating all this fat and the saturated fat? Is it bad? What's gonna happen? I'm gonna break it down for you so you're a little less concerned about that. Then we're gonna answer the big question on net carbs and fiber. Okay, this is a common question for those that are on the keto diet is do the carbs count if it's fiber? All this kind of stuff. Then we're gonna talk about bulletproof coffee and different variations, okay? That means the butter coffee, where you add the coffee and the butter and the coconut oil and make the super tasty drink. Talk about a couple different variations of that and what you can do with that. Uh, we're gonna talk about how to measure your ketone levels, how to know if you're in ketosis and how to do it the right way, because there's a few different variations of testing and some of them are good and some of them are bad. Okay, then we're gonna talk about sweeteners. Okay, we're gonna talk about the sweeteners that are good to go and the ones that you should probably forego overall if you wanna have long-term success on the keto diet. Okay, then we're gonna talk about the timing in between your meals. How long should you wait in between meals on keto? Because actually, with a keto diet, you can play with the timing and get more of an effect. 
I'm going to talk about what I call the protein sandwich hypothesis, which is something that I've created over time and having success with the keto diet. Then we're going to talk about the best veggies on keto. Then we're going to talk about what kind of alcohols you can consume on keto, but also just about alcohol in general on keto, how it affects the ketogenic diet. Uh, we're going to talk about what not to drink. So talking about some things like uh, BCAAs and some whey proteins, don't worry, you can still drink them. I just want to tell you how and when. Uh, talk about fruit, because believe it or not, you can still have a little bit of fruit on keto. Uh, we're also going to talk about ways that you can add fats into your diet, how to get more fats, because believe it or not, it becomes difficult when you're on a keto diet. Uh, we're going to talk about too much protein. Can you have too much protein? There's a lot of stuff circulating the internet and circulating the media that if you have too much protein, it knocks you out of keto. We just need to clarify some things there because it's not quite the case. Then we're going to talk about supplements and supplemental ketones, exogenous ketones, things like that. Are they necessary and what do they do and do they work? Are they safe? And we're going to talk about ways to enhance your ketogenic lifestyle, maybe by adding intermittent fasting or some other forms of exercise you can do to really enhance the effects. So we're going to rock and roll with that. I'm going to move the whiteboard out of the way and we're going to go down the list one by one. This is going to be a nice video. It's going to break it all down. You can skip ahead to different portions if you need it, but I do encourage you to watch the whole thing so you have a solid understanding and you can share this with your friends and family that are interested in the keto diet. All right, so let's cut right to the chase. What is the keto diet? All right, so the keto diet is where you limit or reduce or ultimately get rid of the carbs that you are consuming in order to allow your body to start utilizing fats as a fuel source. You see, it was found back in the 1920s that the body can actually use fat as a fuel source. Our cells can use fat as fuel if the liver has an opportunity to turn them into what are called ketones. This is where the word ketosis comes into play. Basically what we've done is we've encouraged the body to start using fats as a fuel source because it has no choice because we're limiting or getting rid of the carbs that are coming in. So with this come a lot of different benefits and this is why the keto diet is getting very popular. Okay, we have benefits like heightened cognitive function. We have improvements in endurance. Of course, huge, huge changes in body composition. I lost 100 pounds utilizing the ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting, so I'm a testament to that. Uh, obviously, we'll talk on more of the benefits as we go down the line, and if you're watching this video, you probably already know some of the benefits, but the short answer is stable levels of blood sugar, lower insulin levels, you're going to feel a lot better and you're gonna lose a lot more weight. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about what the keto diet is not for a second, because this actually makes more sense than just addressing what the ketogenic diet is. See, the ketogenic diet is not just a low-carb diet. You see, what a low-carb diet is, a low-carb diet is where you're reducing carbs, but you're not reducing them so much that you ever produce ketones. That's why when you do a traditional low-carb diet, you usually feel foggy and you feel fatigued. On the keto diet, you feel energized and you feel really good. It's almost like a euphoric state. A low-carb diet, what's happening is you're sitting in the gray area where you're reducing your body's fuel source from carbohydrates, but you're not increasing your fats a whole lot. So you're sitting in this gray area of just low fuel, but never going low enough to where the body actually starts using a different fuel source, ketones. So that's why it's not a low carb diet. Okay, it is not paleo. Paleo still utilizes fruits. Paleo still utilizes certain kinds of starches. We have to be careful. It's not the paleo diet. Okay, it's also not just a bunch of animal proteins. People think the keto diet just automatically means a bunch of dairy and a bunch of meat. So it's not the case at all. In fact, the true ketogenic diet is higher fat content coming from good healthy plant sources and controlling your meat intake. You don't need to be consuming a ton of expensive meats. This also means that it's perfect for people that are vegetarian or vegan, contrary to what people will say on the internet. We'll touch on that a little bit. But one thing that's very important you'll hear people say 
is keto is not the same as ketoacidosis. Ketoacidosis is something that type 1 diabetics deal with, okay? Not anything to do with the keto diet. Two completely different worlds. Ketoacidosis is something that type 1 diabetics deal with because they don't have insulin. And if they don't have insulin, they can have high levels of ketones that end up in the blood causing ketoacidosis. These levels are astronomically higher compared to what you're getting in a nutritional state of ketosis. So I don't even want you to have that be a concern. I've done videos on that if you need to look at it more in detail, but by and large, don't worry about it. Okay, quickly I wanna to touch on the muscle sparing effects of keto, because I wanna just combat this. Some people are thinking they're gonna lose a bunch of muscle if they're on the keto diet. There's actually a study that was published in the Journal of Clinical Investigation that found that leucine oxidation decreased in the presence of ketones. So meaning when you're on ketosis, when you're in a ketogenic state, your body isn't breaking down muscle protein nearly as much. Okay, now the other question is about it being sustainable. So the interesting thing with the keto diet is you have this thing called the resting metabolic rate. That's your metabolism. That's how fast your metabolism is going. And normally when you lose weight, your metabolism decreases. But there was actually a study that was published in the journal Nutrition and Metabolism that found that if you lost weight on a keto diet, your resting metabolic rate stayed the same. It didn't decrease. Normally, if you lose 50 pounds, your metabolism is going to decrease because you lost weight, making it easier to rebound. Well, on the keto diet, that doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen because you preserve your muscle and your muscle burns a lot of fat. Now, the other thing I want to touch on is the ketogenic diet is used for therapeutic reasons a lot, okay, for like neurological conditions, for Alzheimer's, for epilepsy, because it's so powerful for the brain. So if it wasn't used in medical classifications and it wasn't used in any kind of instances like this, then it wouldn't be as popular as it is. It has a lot of credibility. All right, now I wanna talk about fat adaptation. Now this is a really cool thing. It's almost magical and it's almost unbelievable when you really look at it. Fat adaptation is where you've been on a ketogenic diet for a period of time and your body becomes used to using fats as a fuel source. So it literally means that once you've been on keto for a certain period of time, you actually wouldn't technically have to stay on keto forever because your body acquires the ability to use fats as a fuel source. We like to reference this as developing what's called the mitochondrial machinery. Inside your cells, you have mitochondria that create energy. But once you're on a keto diet, that mitochondria acquires the ability to use fats for fuel, whereas before it did not. That's why it's called fat adaptation. And you'll hear that term thrown around a lot, and you'll hear it in my videos a lot. And what happens when you're fat adapted is just no matter what, your body is going to preferentially want to use fats as a fuel source whenever readily available. Now, you might be wondering, how long does it take to get fat adapted? Well, studies have shown that it can happen as soon as six weeks. So that means if you're doing a strict keto diet, all it takes is somewhere around six weeks for your body to start making that shift. That is miraculous. We could right here. Now, I'm a huge proponent of the keto diet and I recommend that you do it for a longer period of time, but even if you just went on it for six or eight weeks, you would start to see some huge, huge improvements in your body's ability to use fats compared to if you never did in the first place. What's really interesting is once you've been doing ketosis for a while, is your body actually develops the ability to use ketones for some fuel, for some cells, then it uses straight fats for other cells, like muscle cells, and it still magically uses glucose for other cells. So you've actually acquired the ability to not just use fats, but use fats and still use carbs. See, your body actually still creates carbohydrates. We still have carbs. Our blood sugar never goes to zero. Carbs are never null and void. They always exist naturally in our body. They're created from protein and they're created from small amounts of carbs that we still consume on a daily basis. 
So it's not like we're ever getting rid of carbs entirely. There are cells in our body that still require them. And that's very important to know. So when we can allow the body to still use fats as a fuel source, but in conjunction with the natural carbohydrates that are going to be there, it's harmony. It's like our body can use all kinds of fuel. It's like having a vehicle that can run on diesel and on gasoline and on jet fuel. It's pretty darn amazing. Okay, now let's go ahead and move into getting started, preparing for keto. What should you do right when you're getting ready to get going? Okay, this first thing might seem kind of obvious and kind of basic, but honestly, you wanna be in a controlled environment. I recommend the first one to two weeks of keto that you make sure you're home. You don't have any extensive travel, a couple day trips might be fine, but make sure that you're home. Make sure you're in a controlled situation. And I say this because during the first one to two weeks is when, if you're going to encounter any cravings, they would happen. They would happen during that first week. Simply because you're going through a process of your body's blood sugar balancing, you're gonna have some dips, you're gonna feel a little cruddy for the first couple of days, totally to be expected. You might as well be home where you can control your diet and not out on the road where you're tempted to go out with friends or to go to a restaurant and eat the wrong thing. It just makes a lot more sense. You also wanna have your food available, okay? So here's the thing, long-term on a keto diet, I don't expect you to have all super healthy keto foods around all the time. The beauty of the keto diet is that you can go out to eat, you can do things, you can go to restaurants and you can still live a keto lifestyle. You don't have to have just a ridiculous amount of planning. It's really great. But during that first week, be prepared, okay? Get your food planned out, get stocked up. And I actually wanna recommend that you check out Thrive Marketplace if you haven't already. They're down in the description below. I have a special discount for everyone watching this video. The cool thing about Thrive Market is that you end up saving like 25 to 50% from what you would normally pay in the grocery store. So for those of you that are literally just trying to get started and you need some snacks, need some keto stuff, you wanna check them out. They're gonna be down in the description below. They've been a huge sponsor of this channel, a huge sponsor of this video. So big thank you to them. But actually there are some great things that you could use there to get started on that first week. And it's all just in a simple bundle that's gonna go right to your door. So definitely check that out down in the description and also get a special discount by using that link. Um, but watch the rest of this video first. The other thing you wanna make sure you're aware of is during that first week, keep your protein a little bit lower and keep your fats a little bit higher. So this might be difficult, but during the first week, I recommend that you go with what I would consider a three to one fat to protein ratio. That means for every one gram of protein you consume, you should try to consume three grams of fat. That sounds like a lot of fat because it is. That means you're gonna be adding coconut oil and adding mayonnaise to things. I mean, you're gonna be doing things like that, but I promise you for the first week, it's the only time you have to go that extreme. And the reason that we're doing this is because we're encouraging the body to utilize ketones. We're encouraging the body to utilize fats. I use this kind of analogy sometimes. Like if you remember the old lawnmowers where you hit the primer pump to get the fuel into the lines. Okay, well that's kind of what we're doing here. We're priming it with a lot of fats. We're getting fats into the system and we're keeping protein low so that the fat is the predominant fuel source. Well, then once it's going, once the engine's running, we can back off the fats a little bit. We don't have to prime as much fuel into it. So you do wanna keep that three to one ratio the best that you can. All right, let's move into something that you might be wondering a lot about, and that's coffee and caffeine on keto. Well, I'll save you a lot of worry. Coffee is good to go. In fact, I would say that coffee is extremely beneficial to the ketogenic diet. Why? Because it mobilizes fatty acids. You see, you have myocellular lipids, you have fats that are stored inside your body in adipose tissue and inside the muscle and in between little muscle cells and fibers, okay? So what happens is coffee and the caffeine 
actually encourages these fatty acids to get mobilized. When the fatty acids get mobilized, they go to the liver and get converted into ketones. This gives you more energy. So it's giving you energy not just from the caffeine itself, but also because you're producing more ketones. There's also polyphenols in caffeine and coffee that are gonna allow you to have more of what is called an autophagy effect. That means that your cells are able to recycle a little bit better. Uh, when I say recycle, it means that cells go through a process where they naturally eat weaker cells. So the bigger, stronger cells will eat the weaker cells and get even bigger and stronger. That's autophagy. And coffee actually stimulates that. So long and short, coffee is good to go. You just don't want to be adding sweetener to it. You just want to be adding a little bit of fat, a little bit of cream or whatever. Just keep it as close to unsweetened as possible. Okay, so that first step when you're starting the ketogenic diet though, like what kind of things do you want to be eating? Well, I will honestly say the first one to two weeks of the ketogenic diet are probably some of the most important. And the reason I say that is because it sets the pace for a lot of things, not only like uh, emotionally and mentally, but really truly physiologically. You see, one of the things that we're trying to achieve with the ketogenic diet is a reduced level of inflammation. Uh, people don't really talk about that that much because it's hard to market. You, you, you talk about weight loss all day long, but you can't really talk about reducing inflammation because nobody really cares unless they know what you're talking about. But the fact is, is by reducing inflammation, you are allowing yourself to re uh, reduce a lot of weight. You see, losing weight or being overweight in the first place is an inflammatory state. Obesity is very inflamed cells, okay? It is an inflammatory state. So if we can reduce inflammation, we are reducing weight. That's one of the first things that I lost. And remember, I was 280 pounds before. The first step for me was reducing inflammation out of my body. And the ketogenic diet has very strong evidence at modulating inflammation. Again, the main ketones reduce inflammation. So what I'm getting at with all of this means that that first week, we wanna eat foods that aren't inflammatory. So I know this is going to be hard for you, but if you can make this commitment, the first one to two weeks of keto, keep dairy out of the equation. That means start adding almond milk or almond milk creamers to your coffee instead. Try going that route, it's gonna make a big difference. If you can reduce the inflammation, you make it so that the ketones can do their job better, but it also makes it so that the transition into ketosis is significantly easier, way, way easier, and you don't end up having the bonk. Because a lot of people quit the keto diet in the first week, and it's simply because the first few days you're battling some blood sugar issues and you're feeling kind of cruddy. So we want to combat that. So by taking a little bit of a sacrifice on the dairy and stuff for the first couple of weeks and eating anti-inflammatory foods and keeping the meats really clean and organic and non-GMO, trust me, it truly does make a difference. I'm not just saying that. And this leads into the next thing I want to talk about, which is the keto flu. Now, one of the reasons why you may not have started the keto diet or why maybe some of your friends are afraid to start it is because they've heard of the keto flu. Now, the common uh, misnomer there is that the keto flu is where you're going to completely just feel like you have the flu. You're gonna feel lethargic, you're gonna feel sick, you're gonna be vomiting. It's not quite that way. I think some of it's psychosomatic. I think some of us create that. The reality is you feel a little bit run down, you feel fatigued, you have a headache. Um, you feel kind of like how you would feel if you didn't replenish your electrolytes after a long workout or a long, uh, hard outdoor workout in the sun. And the truth is, that's exactly what's happening. You see, when you start a ketogenic diet, a lot of times you'll find that you lose three, four, five pounds right out the gate. And this is simply because you are initially losing water weight. But don't worry, that's just initial water weight. The rest of it is fat that you're truly losing. So what ends up happening is for every one gram of carbohydrate that you normally are storing, you hold over three grams of water. So normally when you're consuming carbs, you're holding a bunch of water. All of a sudden you get rid of the carbs, you're losing all that water. Well, along with that water goes electrolytes. 
and your electrolytes are totally out of whack and your body's out of balance. And what ends up happening there is the body doesn't know what to do. So it thinks that your sodium levels, your potassium levels, your magnesium are completely out of whack. So it's very important that you add electrolytes back in. And then you won't be dealing with the keto flu as much. Now the other thing is that you wanna make sure you keep your fats high enough so that you're producing ketones and you're not feeling that gray area. Remember how I mentioned earlier in this video that there's that whole low carb thing that's not ketosis? Well, if you don't keep your fats high enough, you could fall into this gray area and that's gonna make you feel like you have a flu-like kind of feeling going on, but it's not the case. So keep the fats high, keep the electrolytes high, add sodium to your water. You're gonna think that you're absolutely losing your mind because you're gonna add salt to your water. I literally mean go get some pink Himalayan salt, go get good quality sea salt or pink Himalayan salt, not table salt, and add it to your water as you drink it throughout the day. I promise you it makes sense. Don't worry about the blood pressure situation. Studies have shown that it's sugar that has a stronger link with blood pressure over salt. So add good quality salt to your water and you'll feel a lot better. All right, so now let's talk about exercising. Okay, during the first phase on the ketogenic diet, when you're first getting into ketosis, I recommend just doing some easy cardio. Don't go crazy on your workouts. Keep your intensity under 60%. And it goes for a couple of reasons. One, you're adjusting to a new energy pathway and your body's not efficient at it yet. Uh, you could end up finding yourself feeling weaker, feeling lethargic, but also you could just mess with your head because your performance is going to temporarily decline. There are studies that show in the very early parts of ketosis, like the first four or five days, that you end up having a decline in performance. And this is simply because your body hasn't adapted to any one way yet. You're reducing one fuel that it's used to, but it's not used to using the next fuel. So it's kind of in that gray area again. So recommend just keeping the workouts nice and easy. There's no way that you're gonna be able to really work out and get yourself into ketosis faster. I mean, there are, but they're more advanced and let's not really worry about it. Just that first week, keep your workouts nice and easy. Now, next up, what you wanna be doing after you've been through the first week of ketosis is you really wanna just work out the way that you normally would. But I highly recommend working out in a fasted state. Remember how I mentioned your body's utilizing those fats as a fuel source? Well, if you work out in a fasted state first thing in the morning or just fasted in general, the body doesn't have the dietary fat coming in, so it pulls the fat from your actual stores for fuel. Therefore, you're gonna be able to burn fat a lot faster. And there's studies that prove this as well. So this is very powerful. Now, the Journal of Metabolism actually published a study that found that even when you're on the ketogenic diet, your body still uses carbs for fuel. How does this even work? I mean, when you first think about it, that doesn't make sense. You're like, where is it getting the carbs? How is it using that? Well, the cool thing is, is that the body still finds a way to create carbs, whether it's from protein or again, from carbs that you consume small amounts of. Now, the neat thing is the body also has a way of recycling, sort of like a turbo drive. So what I mean by that is when you're exercising, you create lactate, you create an exhaust from your exercise. Now, your body can take that exhaust and it can process it through a cycle that actually creates basically artificial carbohydrates for your body to use. They're not really artificial, they truly are carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, so they truly are a carbohydrate. But when you're on a keto diet, this process becomes very efficient. This is really cool because again, what it means is that you have the ability to use glucose, carbs, and fats for fuel. We call this being dual fueled. So when you're in ketosis, you have a unique ability to be able to burn fat and carbs at essentially the same time. And just for a matter of reference, in case you didn't know, when you're doing low intensity activity, your body usually uses fats. When you're doing high intensity activity, your body usually utilizes carbohydrates. It's very hard to shift gears, one or the other. But on the keto diet, you have the unique ability to burn both at the same time. 
So it's one of the only times that you could actually go and go for a long run and then come back and do some heavy workout or heavy squats or resistance training and still be able to perform relatively good. In fact, like I said in that study that was published, your carbohydrate utilization is about the same on a keto diet than it is on a non-keto diet. You're just getting your carbs from a different point. So that debunks the entire myth about performance. I will say that you might see a small performance decline in terms of your heavy, heavy lifts. And that's simply because your body's not quite as efficient at using the carbs as it would be if it was just directly being fed them. But are you in this for 7% performance increase? Or are you in it to be the best possible version of yourself, perform well, and look good? That's the question you have to ask yourself. All right, now the big one, cholesterol. You are probably concerned with your cholesterol levels. I have to help you understand first and foremost that high levels of cholesterol don't necessarily correlate with dietary cholesterol. First of all, hereditary things make a big, big difference there. Second of all, cholesterol isn't the end-all be-all anymore. Studies are showing that it's more about inflammation in the cells and inflammation in the arteries that are the true problem. There's actually a study that was published in the Lipids and Archives of Internal Medicine Journal. Okay, and it took a look at the keto diet, it took a look at cholesterol, it took a look at low-carb diets in general, and it found that on the keto diet, there was an elevation in what's called A particle, particle A cholesterols. Okay, these are smaller particles of cholesterol, but a decrease in the larger gross particles of cholesterol. The larger particles are the ones that could be the problem. You see, there's different kinds of LDL cholesterol. It's not just one. There's a lot of different kinds, and some of them are good and some of them are bad. So what ends up happening on a keto diet is as your body starts to release its stored fat, your cholesterol levels go up. So you may have started a keto diet and you notice that all of a sudden your cholesterol levels are a little bit higher. So you start thinking it's the eggs that you're eating or you start thinking that it's the fat that you're consuming. Well, the reality is, no, it's the fat that your body is burning and utilizing that's getting into your bloodstream. You literally have fat going into your bloodstream because your body is burning it at such an exponential rate. So this is really, really good stuff. And you might find that as you slowly start losing less weight, your cholesterol levels come back down. There's a direct correlation. So I don't want you to be concerned there. Now, as always, I'm not a doctor. Okay. Even though I worked in the healthcare industry, I'm not a doctor. So if you have chronically high levels of cholesterol, you should always be getting regular blood work. And a quick word to the wise, check your triglyceride levels. If your triglyceride levels remain high all the time, it means you're not synthesizing ketones and the ketogenic diet may not be for you. But 95% of people that do the keto diet find their triglyceride levels come down very, very low. So just make sure that's the lab work you might want to get done. Okay, now we have the net carbs and fiber situation. This is a big one. A lot of people ask questions about it. Does fiber count towards your carb count? Do, do you have to pay attention to the whole net carb thing? The short answer is fiber doesn't really count, but it does in some ways. So we have soluble and insoluble fiber. Insoluble fiber is gonna be the things like the roughage, like the asparagus and the broccolis and the stuff like that. That doesn't count. Soluble fiber actually does count. So I would recommend that you count soluble fiber technically as a half gram. It does have a small effect on your blood sugar. It does have a small effect on insulin. So we do have to count it. So if you look at the label and you see that it has, let's say five grams of soluble fiber, you're gonna wanna count two and a half of those. Basically count every one gram as a half a gram. That'll help you out. You can't just go and eat 100 grams of insoluble fiber and say that it's fiber and you shouldn't have a problem. It's still gonna to count towards something, okay? Generally speaking, we wanna keep our carbs under 30 or so total. So we wanna be paying close attention there. Insoluble fiber, don't worry about. Sugar alcohols, 
same kind of thing. I recommend counting a half a carb there. So if you're consuming something that has a bunch of maltitol or isomalt in it, again, they're gonna count as a sugar alcohol on the label and still count as a carb, but go ahead and count it as a half a carb, even though it counts it as a non-net carb. Just something you should be paying attention to. All right, now bulletproof coffee. This is probably what you've been waiting for. Bulletproof coffee or keto coffee. This is where you take coffee and you add like butter or you add ghee or you add coconut oil and you whip it up and you make a really tasty beverage. Let me say one thing first. These are caloric beverages. I enjoy them, I enjoy them greatly, but they're caloric beverages and they should count as a meal. Okay, a lot of times if you make a bulletproof coffee, it's going to have three, four, 500 calories in it. That's a meal. So don't add it to a meal or don't just use it as a substitute for your morning coffee. That's a lot of calories. So I have a few different kinds of bulletproof coffee or keto coffee that I like to follow. Uh, one of them is just very anti-inflammatory, okay? It's where you just have regular coffee with a little bit of ghee. Okay, ghee is like butter, except it doesn't have any of the lactose. Okay, then you can add some coconut oil into it. You can add a little bit of cinnamon. You can add all these different things, okay? That's the kind of just a basic one. Then there's the one that tastes really good. This is the one where you add some butter, where you can add some heavy cream, where you can add uh, some other things that might be a little bit tasty, like again, some more ghee, some MCT oil perhaps. The point is, is that you don't always wanna be adding dairy to these things. But there's another one that you can do, and that's actually a personal favorite of mine, where you actually take matcha green tea, okay? And you take that matcha green tea and you add some uh, ghee to that, and you add some coconut oil to that, and you go that route. Okay, that's really a good way to go because then you're getting the bulletproof coffee effect, you're getting all the fats with a lower level of caffeine so you can have it throughout the course of the day. The short answer is use it as a meal replacement. Don't try to do it as an additional snack. So I can link out to the video here. It's gonna be down in the description too. I also did a video on four different types of keto coffee. Check it out after this video is done. I think you'll get a lot of information out of that one. Next is gonna be how to measure your ketones. All right, make this one kind of brief. Normally, when people start a keto diet, they almost always go for the urine test strips. Here's the thing with the urine test strips. The urine test strips measure what is called acetoacetate. Okay, that is a ketone body, but they only measure the excess ketones. So once your body is adapted, you're not producing excess ketones anymore. You're producing just the right amount, which means that you're not gonna register on the urine strips anymore. So this is a common problem. People think that they're not in ketosis anymore because the urine strip doesn't reflect ketones anymore. These are simple strips that you can get at CVS, you can get at Walmart, you can get just about anywhere. And the hard part is the market is flooded with them right now because they know keto's popular. So the point is you can use them in the beginning, but they're not reliable. You're gonna wanna check your blood. And I know you may not want to do that because you'd have to prick your finger, but checking your blood ketone levels truly is the best way to honestly get an accurate representation of where you stand on that keto profile. But in my honest opinion, you don't even really need to be checking. If you're doing the diet right, all you have to do is check once or twice in your entirety of doing the protocols and you'll be fine because you're gonna know exactly where you need to be just by how you feel. Trust me, you're gonna know that you're in a ketogenic state because you're going to feel good, period. All right, sweeteners. What can you have, what can you not have? Now I did a full video breaking this down, but let me just give you the gist of it. Okay, monk fruit is great. It's totally good to go, have monk fruit. Stevia, good to go. Try to use it a little bit in moderation, okay? Because it might have an insulin response. The verdict is uh, trying to be determined right now. The jury's still out. Okay, sucralose, um, here's the thing. That's like Splenda. If it's embedded into a product, it's okay. It's not good for you. Let me preface that. Sucralose is not good for you. Studies have shown that it kills off your gut bacteria. But does it kick you out of keto? No, but if you use the packets of Splenda, 
they have maltodextrin in it. That is a straight carbohydrate. That's what actually makes it a powder. And that will kick you out of keto. That'll start to add up. So if you're adding packets to your yogurt, you're adding packets here and there, that will kick you up. So be careful there. Uh, equal, okay, like aspartame, the little blue packets. Actually, as much as I hate the stuff, because it's pure poison, the stuff is bad, there's studies that show it is not good, it is technically okay on keto. So that means that diet sodas are okay on keto. That means that those kind of diet drinks are okay. Um, they're not gonna kick you out of keto. Are they healthy? No, not necessarily, not at all actually. But I'm trying to be honest with you and playing devil's advocate here. They are okay to have. Um, erythritol, which you're gonna see in a lot of products, you're okay to have that. Again, I recommend you don't go crazy on it because erythritol can give you an upset stomach. So those are the ones that are really okay. Um, xylitol, I'm not a huge fan of. Not that it kicks you out of keto, but it's hard on the body. So try to keep xylitol out. Um, high fructose corn syrup, no-go for sure, okay? Honey, no-go. Agave, no-go. Okay, any of those, they have carbs, okay? We don't want those. Apple nectar, coconut nectar, all of those, no-go, okay? Regular sugar, of course not. Definitely don't want that. Uh, any kind of fructose, like I said, honey, things like that, you just keep out of the equation. Maltitol, strongly limit. I strongly recommend you stay away from it. Isomalt, stay away from that whenever you can, okay? So hopefully that gives you a quick breakdown. Again, I did a full video explaining in more detail. All right, your timing in between meals. I'm gonna make this quick too, so I don't spend a whole lot of time on this. But your timing in between meals is very important. Remember how I mentioned when you prime your body to use fats, then your body is burning the fats? Well, what's gonna happen is if you go a long enough period of time in between your meals, your body has no choice but to burn through the dietary fats you gave it and tap into the body fat stores. So you wanna go three, four, five hours between meals if you're not fasting. This is sort of like a gap like that where you have a nice curve in between. You should be a little bit hungry by the time you eat your next meal. I also recommend what I call the protein sandwich hypothesis, okay? So you're gonna keep your fats elevated in the morning, keep your fats a little bit lower midday, and then keep your fats elevated a little bit more at night. So just try to reduce your fats with lunch and increase your protein a little bit with lunch. Basically what that's doing is it's allowing your body to still be a little bit lower in fat. So you have fats in the morning to prime the ketone production and then you reduce fats midday so you burn more body fat and then bring the fats back up at night to produce ketones overnight while you sleep. Okay, the best veggies on a keto diet. I've done a video on this too. Asparagus, number one. Super low carb plus very high in prebiotic fiber. So it helps encourage the growth of healthy gut bacteria. Okay, prebiotic fiber is the prebiotics that grow existing gut bacteria. So you wanna have good amounts of asparagus. Plus you can't really go overboard on it. It might make your urine stink, but that's about it. Bok choy, powerful cruciferous vegetable, very high anti-estrogenic properties for both men and women. Helps you look leaner, helps flush out extra water. Cabbage also keeps you full and has sulforaphane in it. The sulforaphane allows your body to digest things easier and helps grow good bacteria. Those are my top three. Broccoli is good to go too, but you just gotta watch out for the sugars in it, it adds up. Alcohol on the ketogenic diet. I'm sure that you're wondering about this one. When we look at alcohol, we just have to remember how the body prioritizes things, okay? When you consume alcohol, the body breaks it down into something known as acetaldehyde. This acetaldehyde is very, very powerful, and quite honestly, it's a little bit toxic for the body. It's very toxic for the body. So the liver prioritizes the metabolism of it. Okay, what that means is that the liver has to stop producing ketones for a short amount of time because it has to prioritize the metabolism of the alcohol. The liver is always going to run what I call triage, kind of like the ER. It's gonna take what's the most pressing. So it's gonna take the pressing need to process alcohol and put the ketone production on the back seat. So you might find that you go out of ketosis for a short amount of time when you're drinking alcohol. But don't be alarmed, it does come back very, very fast. So what I would recommend is consuming alcohols that are easier on the system. So believe it or not, 
uh, vodkas, gins, things like that are actually the easiest because they're triple or quadruple distilled usually. So they're easier on the system. They don't have the congeners. Wine can actually be tough on the body. Brandy's very tough on the body. Beer is probably a no-go. Honestly, there are some brands of beer that claim that they're lower carbs, but the estrogens, the, xeno, uh, the phytoestrogens, excuse me, we just don't want to have in the equation. So I would just say beer is probably a no-go, but your hard liquor or some dry wines are okay. All right, now I wanted to talk a little bit about whey protein and BCAAs. If you're someone that's working out, you're familiar with these. Whey protein obviously is a milk-derived protein that a lot of people use to rebuild muscle right after a workout. Whey protein is very insulinogenic. You see, it absorbs so fast that it triggers what's called an insulin spike. And this insulin spike can kick you out of keto. I'm not saying don't ever consume whey protein, but it's not something you want to just be sipping on throughout the day like some people might do. You see, old school belief was that you want to eat every two or three hours to keep your metabolism high so people would have shakes in between meals. But now we know that that spikes your insulin and that can kick you out of keto. Now, the main issue with the whey protein is the fast absorption, but also the leucine. Leucine is an amino acid that skyrockets your insulin really quick. That's also present in branched chain amino acids. I'm not saying don't ever consume BCAAs. I'm saying don't sip on them throughout the day like a lot of people do. If you need to have them a little bit here and there along with a meal or instead of a meal, that's one thing. But just don't sip on them all day because they will keep your ketone levels lower, which will just inhibit or prohibit you from being able to feel your best. That's all there is to it. But now let's talk a little bit about fruit for a second. Uh, before I tell you what fruits I would recommend, it's probably important that you know that fruit is metabolized different than other carbs. So what happens is normally carbs come into your system and they absorb and they go through this whole process where they uh, travel on different glute transporters and they get into your system. Well, fruit has to go through the liver first. It requires what's called the active transport chain, a different glute transporter. All I mean by that is we can only process a small amount of fruit at one point in time. And we hold all the carbohydrates from the fruit in our liver whereas other carbohydrates we hold in our muscles and our liver. So that means we only have a finite amount of space in our liver that we can hold those carbs, which means it's very easy to overdose on them. So we wanna go really, really easy on them and go very low glycemic. So all in all, I recommend just going with berries. So go with some raspberries and go with some strawberries. That's really the best. I've done a video on this that goes into more detail and gives you a few more options. You can watch it if you want to, but the long and the short of it is, Keep it really, really minimal, like a quarter of a cup, if you just need that sweet fix. I honestly, I honestly find that if you have a few grams of carbs from fruit, it does something to your brain. I mean, fruit is just, I don't know, we see it as nature's candy, we wanna have it, we wanna have a treat, you just don't need to go overboard. A quarter cup's not gonna hurt you, and a quarter cup of berries goes a long way. But what about adding additional fats? Like, what are some ways that you can get more fats in? Because when you're on a keto diet, you need to add fats. And I'm a big fan of keeping your protein sources lean. I'm gonna say this again. Keep your protein sources lean so that you can control the fats that are coming in the diet from other sources. The reason I say this is because if you were to eat a high fat cut of meat, you don't know where that animal has been or what that animal has eaten. So a lot of times they absorb toxins and pesticides and hold them in their fat cells. So we don't wanna be consuming regular, just good old fashioned grain fed meat because we're gonna have high levels of estrogen, high levels of soy, and high levels of omega-6, which are really, really bad for our bodies, especially on a ketogenic diet. So eat high quality meats that are leaner, and then we add the fats in fun ways with like almond butter, with mayonnaise, with coconut oil, with uh, tahini, things like that. Okay, so you wanna add fats in that way. That's the biggest tip that I can give you there. But honestly, uh, tahini's a big tip, uh, eating, Little bits of almond butter and nut butters here and there, those are great ways. Adding mayonnaise to your meats, I know it sounds crazy, but that's a great way. Um, when you eat your eggs, 
have a couple egg whites and a few egg yolks. Yeah, give the whites to the dogs. It's good for them. They get a little bit of biotin, a little bit of protein. You can take the yolk and you can get your extra fats in that way and keep your protein ratios where you need it. Again, I did a full video on this, but you just wanna be paying attention there. You don't wanna just be adding fats from animal sources all the time. It just makes a lot more sense to control it. Macadamia nuts are another great way to add fats, which actually leads me into the, the nut section that I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about which nuts you should and shouldn't have. And it's actually not shouldn't, shouldn't. You can have all the nuts that you really want. I just recommend you eat some over the others. Macadamia nuts are by far the best. Super low carb content, okay? And they don't really have a skin, so they're easy to digest. Almonds, almonds you want to use in moderation. You see that skin has what's called phytic acid. That phytic acid doesn't break down very well in the body. What I mean by that is that it has what's called, are called anti-nutrients, okay? So they're amylose inhibitors. They make it so that your body doesn't break down the nuts all the way, therefore triggering an inflammatory immune response. Remember how I talked about the ketogenic diet is all about reducing inflammation? Well, why would we wanna add something in that's notorious for causing inflammation within the body? So we just have to be careful there. So I recommend just eating a small amount of almonds throughout the day, maybe a couple of ounces throughout the course of the entire day. I know people that eat loads and loads of almonds. They're hard on the digestive tract, they bloat you, and they're inflammatory. Whenever you can, also sprout them. This breaks down the phytic acid. So by sprouting them, you just literally soak them in some water and you let them sit overnight and it starts the sprouting process, breaks down the phytic acid. Cashews are very inflammatory, so use those in moderation. Don't have a bunch of them. They're technically a fruit and they're higher carbohydrate. There's like nine, 10, 11 grams of carbs in a serving of cashews, whereas there's like four grams in a serving of macadamia nuts. Uh, Brazil nuts are good to go, super high in selenium. I recommend those. Walnuts, really good to go. Pecans, really good to go, okay? Uh, also go for like pepitas and sunflower seeds whenever you can over nuts because they're less inflammatory, less phytic acid, easier for the body to break down. Plus they also make some really good like sunflower butters and stuff out there that you can find at the grocery stores. Okay, and finally we wanna talk about protein. Too much protein. Now this might be a little bit more of an advanced one, but people tend to think that if you have too much protein, it's going to kick you out of keto. Now that used to kind of be the thought, but science has evolved and I've even been the victim of really talking about this. I've talked about how too much protein could be bad. It's less about having too much protein and more about making sure you get more fats. You just always wanna make sure that your fat ratio is high enough so that your body isn't preferentially wanting to run on protein. So what happens is if you consume protein, the body turns that protein into carbohydrates through a process known as gluconeogenesis. Long and the short of it is you don't need to be as worried about it as you think. Okay, if you have a lot of protein, yes, it will get converted into carbohydrates. But gluconeogenesis converted carbohydrates usually get stored as glycogen pretty darn quickly. So what that means is any excess protein that you are consuming is probably just gonna get stored in your muscle cells for energy later. Remember how I told you that you can create energy and use energy from carbohydrates even when you're on a keto diet? Well, it's happening this way. So don't freak out, but what you do wanna do is if you do eat a lot of protein, you're gonna to wanna to add more fats to make sure that your ratio is still good. I think at minimum a two to one with that kind of situation. So if you're having a lot of protein, you need to try to get twice as much fat to try to compensate for it, even if it means your calories are a little bit higher. In my opinion, it just keeps your ketone levels nice and stable. So yes, the body's always going to create some kind of fuel from protein, whether you're consuming a tiny bit or a lot. So don't worry too much about it. You're gonna see a lot of stuff out there. I've done videos that break this down a lot more as well. Lastly, the very last thing I wanna talk about is gonna be supplements and ways to enhance your keto experience. So supplements, a good quality omega-3 is the most important thing. It's way too easy to end up having a high level of what's called omega-6 
because you're eating a lot of meats that are probably not always organic. You can't always control that. You're not getting good pasture raised, pasture finished meat. Okay, so your omega-6 levels go up. This is the main reason that people hit what I call the keto wall after like say 60 days. Their omega-6 levels go so high up that they start feeling cruddy. We can combat this. We just need to consume a good amount of fish or consume fish oil. So this is the only dietary protocol that I would recommend having a mega dosing amount of fish oil, like three, 5,000 uh, milligrams or three to five grams. So have a good amount, have it before bed, have it in the morning, whatever you need to do, it's going to help you out. That's the main thing you wanna be focusing on on the ketogenic diet. Um, magnesium is the next one that you really need to be having as much of as you can. Again, talking about those minerals, so sodium, magnesium, keeping that stuff elevated, it makes a very, very big difference. Uh, collagen helps. See, the reason that people uh, promote keto collagen so much is because collagen actually just helps you feel better and it doesn't get converted into that gluconeogenesis pathway quite as easily. Uh, the one you're probably wondering, exogenous ketone supplements. Honestly, I know some people that have products that make great exogenous ketones and they, they're great people, they're great friends of mine, but I do not recommend exogenous ketones. Okay, simply put, think of it this way. You're encouraging your body to create ketones from its own fat. So here we have our own fat getting converted and used as fuel. What's gonna happen if you add exogenous or artificial ketones through a supplement? They're gonna go to the front of the line, which is gonna stop your body from producing ketones from fat. You're slowing yourself down. So I don't recommend exogenous ketones. I don't think they have much of a place unless you are just trying to do massive calorie restriction and you're trying to add ketones in there just to uh, satiate you because that's one thing they do do is they do keep you satiated, but they are gonna slow down ketone production in your body. Uh, by far the best way that you can enhance your keto lifestyle is going to be by adding intermittent fasting a couple days per week. Now, those of you that watch my channel know that I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting, but I don't necessarily think it's for everybody. But think of it this way. Again, like I've said before, your body is used to using fats as a fuel source. And then you go intermittent fasting, you go 16 hours without eating, your body's gonna have no choice but to start burning its own body fat for fuel, especially because it's already keto adapted and primed for keto. So this is the best way that you can enhance. You can literally probably one and a half to two X your results on keto by just adding intermittent fasting two or three days per week. And the way that you do that is literally keep it simple. Go 16 or 18 hours. So you're gonna go uh, have your last meal at maybe five or 6 p.m. And then you're going to maybe have a little snack before bed at maybe say 9 p.m and then you're not going to eat again until one or 2 p.m. the next day. And you're gonna do that two or three times per week. And then the, when you do break your fast, I've got a ton of videos on that, but you're just gonna eat your normal ketogenic diet, okay? You don't need to add extra calories, you don't need to do anything like that, you're basically just skipping breakfast. Trust me, it makes a huge difference. Now, I'm more than willing to do a part two of this. If you have ideas, if you have comments, if you have different things that you want me to touch on on a round two ketogenic guide, I'd love to do it. I know this has been a long video and I really appreciate you sticking with me through this entire thing. And I hope that it gave you the breakdown that you need to truly be able to take advantage of this ketogenic craze that's going right now because it's not just a fad. It's true science, it's truly legitimate. And I hope that this video broke it down and gave you the confidence that you need to either stick with it, get motivated even more, or get started and really make a change for the better for you and your family. Please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Lots of videos coming out Tuesday, Fridays, and Sundays and all kinds of other videos in between. Thank you again for watching. I'll see you in the next video.